Amen. Hey, Ruth chapter one. Now, Ruth is only four chapters long. Pastor Tobias predicted that we would get through Ruth in about eight weeks, and we are right on track for that. This is part three, and we're right around in verse 10. Nemo, my son, my 14-year-old son said, Dad, do you think you're going to be able to ever finish chapter one, you know, this morning? And I said, yes, this morning we're going to finish chapter one. We're going to do it together. And I said, maybe, you know, we'll do our best. But you got to understand the context of the book of Ruth. It happened in a very dark time, dark days where there was no king in Israel. They were in the promised land. God promised it to them. He provided it, but he gave a few rules. He said, if you seek my face, you'll find me and I'll bless you and I'll keep your enemies away from you. But he also said, if you go do silly things, if you play with fire, you will get burned. If you don't seek me, I will be forced to forsake you in those seasons. Why would he do this? In order to get us back to the spout where the blessings come out. Because when we wander, when we rebel, oh man, it costs us something, takes us places, keeps us longer, and we need to learn these lessons. And we're so blessed this morning to learn this lesson as a congregation. Isn't it cool that we're learning lessons still? How many guys are still learning lessons? Raise up your hands if you're still learning lessons. How many know-it-alls all have figured out? Raise your hands with know-it-alls. Got it all figured out, figured it out, you know. We're all learning lessons. Uh, here's the, here's the truth. The real lessons you learn are probably going to be steeped in the failures of your life more than the successes. The real lessons you learn and hold on to and actually shape your character are probably going to be steeped in and baked into the mistakes and failures of your life rather than the successes. Greg Laurie was interviewed years and years ago, that powerful preacher down in Oceanside, California, or Riverside. He's down there by the ocean. And he was asked a question about the success of his ministry. And his answer was, I'll tell you one thing. I know I've learned much more from my failures than I ever have learned from my successes. And when I heard that, I winced. I was like, Ugh, I don't want to hear that because I want to learn stuff. Don't you want to learn stuff? And it's oftentimes in the dealings of our lives that are kind of dark and drudgery. I heard a story of a young banker in his 30s was promoted to the management position. But he knew he was too young to really do it well, so he sought out wise counsel. And he asked a friend who was twice his age, that I'm now the manager of a bank, and I don't know, how am I going to be successful? And this wise sage said, good decisions. And this young man said, okay, good decisions. I, I want to make good, how do, how do I make good decisions? And he said, experience. And then the young guy said, I know that's the problem. I don't have experience. How, how can I get experience? And the old man said, bad decisions. <laughs> oh, okay. You laugh because you know it's true. In our bad decisions. And I'm so, and even to say that, what are you saying? What are you saying? You see, to err is human. We're all going to make mistakes. And so God has created principles in motion laws of redemption and revival and restoration, laws that parallel, they go alongside of the failures of our lives. When you realize this, when you understand this, you're going to deal differently with your own life when it spirals out of control. Listen, but you're also going to deal differently with other people's lives when they make mistakes, when they don't get it right. You're going to be what's called empathetic. The empathy is understanding what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes. Oh, Oh, I've been there. 
oh, I know what that's, oh, and you can help. Has anybody ever helped you out in a dark time? Anybody ever looked at you and said, you're going to make it. You'll be okay. I've been there. Trust me. Just D-T-N-R-T. Do the next right thing. And T-T-P. Trust the process. And F-T. Go get goo. <laughs> For the glory of God and the good of others. Do, do, everything you do can change if you look at the way that God redeems and the way that God transforms. All of this story, the book of Ruth, this short little book, happened in dark days. Bad decisions. And God the entire time was redeeming on a galactic level. How many of you guys believe that your life matters? God's redeeming you. Your story matters. You might not see how it develops in your lifetime. You might not. Did you know that Ruth, Ruth, the Moabitess widow, Ruth, Ruth is listed in the New Testament. Listen, you guys know this, Bible students, in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. One of just a handful of women, lots of men mentioned. A few women are mentioned in that genealogy of Jesus Christ. You guys know the other ones that are mentioned? Tamar, she's got a messed up story. Rahab, who's always called Rahab the, the harlot, and she's in the genealogical, how are you saying? She's in the family line of Jesus. In our lives, your lives, my life can get seriously out of control from time to time. It's gonna happen. And maybe that's what the Lord's doing right now to get you through a dark season. Not just to get you through it. How many of you guys are trying to rush through it real quick? Ah, I just get through it. You're trying to find that next gear and peeling out. Let's get out of here. And the Lord says, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not going to learn what I'm trying to teach you. Settle down. I will get you to your destination. But I'm teaching you lessons of, listen, great importance and great value. And for some of you, great cost. Have you lost something last year? Are you on the brink of losing something right now? And it's got your attention. Like, oh my gosh, I can lose this relationship. I can lose everything if I don't straighten up, if I don't figure it out. If I don't get, the, if I don't get my feet going in the right direction, if I don't make my way back. And we're going to see this story. As a matter of fact, Ruth has been gone for 10 years. That's not true. Ruth's a Moabite. Naomi's been gone for 10 years. That's Ruth's mother-in-law. And Naomi's in Moab where they shouldn't have gone. As a matter of fact, to go to Moab, I'm not going to go over the whole story. We've done this for three weeks now in a row. But the children of Israel were in the promised land. And Elimelech, Naomi, Malon, and Chilion, they were hungry. And so they decided to take care of it themselves. And they left Israel and went back to the wilderness, to Moab, to a pagan area, to satisfy the hunger and the needs of their lives instead of trusting that the Lord was using it for his glory and their good. And in doing so, don't you find this true? Every time we find ourselves moving forward in the Lord in the promised land, there is a temptation at one point or another to kind of throttle down and go back. Just to go back to the way, not so far back, they're not going to Egypt, but they're just going across the Jordan and a little bit over into the wilderness. I don't know where you're at in your journey right now, what's going on in your backwardsness, but just don't do it. Don't go back at all. We're supposed to be taking steps forward from glory to glory. And so if you're in that season right now, I've gone back, reading my Bible less, cussing a little more, doing a little bit more online, things that are, I'm not crazy like I used to be, but you're also maybe not on fire like you ought to be. And may the Lord give you encouragement in that. As a matter of fact, let's just read a few verses so that way you can say, Luke read some verses. Look at verse uh, 10. Look at verse 10. 
Actually, verse 9, it's fun. The Lord, Naomi says, grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. And so she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. She's now dealing with her widow daughter-in-laws. Their sons had died also, and she's saying, girls, I'm going back. I'm returning. You guys should stay here. You're pagans, you're Moabites. It's actually better for you. She may have been doing a little cleanup, a little damage control, because if she showed up back to Bethlehem with two Moabite widows, people would ask questions like, what you been doing, Naomi? Where you been? Watching your Facebook profile. You've been going crazy, you know. I don't know what her heart is, and I could throw her under the bus, or I could parade her and promote her and celebrate her repentance as nominal as it is. Look at verse 9, no, 10. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. I've got that word return circled. See, the Lord calls us throughout the rest of our lives to, to return to him. Almost like a daily deal, every single deal. Every, every day, just, hey, where'd you go? How far, how far did you get yesterday? How far did you get in the night season? How far did you get last week? This returning, as a matter of fact, there's this church in the book of Revelation. They're doing real good. They're fired up. They got two services. They got 12 acres up on the hill. They got a great hoodie ministry. They're giving away convertible, you know, chariots with camels and stuff like that. They're just killing it. And yet the Lord says, you know what? I, I do miss you though. I need you to return. I need you to return to your first love. And can I speak to the congregation, the, the people here, my friends that are, you're doing good in your life. Okay, your calendar's being met. Your boxes are being checked. Your bills are paid. Nobody would question you at all. You're actually very successful, but, but only you can say, where's your, where's your heart? Where's your heart? Is it vibrant with the Lord? Do, do, are you journaling? Are you memorizing scriptures? Are you walking in the faith? Are you sharing your story, your testimony, are you serving others? Or have you just got to this point of altitude, high altitude cruising where I just got, I, I, I'm there. I'm there. I'm just waiting for the Lord to return. I have to ask myself that question. Where's my heart at? Do I need to make some steps of return? Then there's other people, this is South Beach Church, that you're not necessarily at this altitude, but you're still struggling through the clouds and you're a Christian, you're going to heaven, but there's things in your life that are duplicitous, double-minded in nature, and there's instability now. And the Lord said, hey, you gotta come back. Did you know that Jesus taught on returning to the Lord over and over and over again, telling stories of the prodigal son and the prodigal father. As a matter of fact, the story of the prodigal son, we've all heard this story. There's actually a bunch of characters in that story. There's the prodigal son, there's the prodigal father, then there's the prodigal older brother. Some of us are the older brother. Everything's good, but our hearts are broken. Some of us are the prodigal son. We got pig food coming out of our pockets and we need to deal with some stuff. Well, she's making this return. Let's learn from her. It says, but Naomi said, turn back, my daughters, verse 11. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should have hope, if I should have hope that a husband tonight and should bear sons. Stop right there, eyes up here. Man, she is all messed up. This is Naomi. She's lost her husband, Elimelech. She's lost her two sons, Malon and Chilion. And she's got two daughters that she needs to offload because it's not going to fit the narrative when she gets back. And these girls say, let us go with you. And she's like, what are you talking about? And now there's some cultural distinctives that we will never understand. To be a widow in those days, oh man, devastated. To get remarried was a very complicated thing. You would actually have to get remarried to somebody from your family. They're called a kinsman redeemer. It would have to be all official. And, all, and Naomi knows there's, there's no way. And then she goes on looking at her daughter. Even if there was a husband for me, 
Do you think that we could get married and I have kids? There's babies in my belly that will raise up more sons for you. She begins to get creatively critical and negative. Do you ever do this? You ever find your life so messed up? You start creating all these dumb ideas and dumb ways how they'll never happen and negative thinking and stinking thinking and woulda, shoulda. Could we do this? We just sit there. There's absolutely no way. We see this throughout the scriptures. We see this in our own lives. Be very careful of the pessimism and the criticism and the negativity that creeps up in your heart and my heart. Sometimes the Lord will put you in a situation. Notice what her words were. If I even had hope. In in other words, she's saying, I thought this through. There is no way. Did you know that the Lord oftentimes is most glorified when there is zero way? That's frustrating, by the way. Because I want to have three or four options. I want to figure it out. Like, I'll take three or four options. Lord, it's like, what if I remove all the options? No, I don't like that feeling. And the Lord exposes our flesh and sees what comes out in those moments of frustration and all this flesh comes out again. And then a week or two or three goes by and the Lord shows you, this is what I was going to do the whole time. Did you know that God had a plan for Naomi and for Orpah and for Ruth and for the children of Israel the whole stinking time? That's good news for you and for me. Somebody asked me at the beginning of the service, Luke, how do you, how do you process all the weight of the things going on? You have to put this building away and you have to make a new building ready. And you have to have the school going and the food pantry going. And you have to have a building developed. How are you doing it all? And I had a mild heart attack. Actually, I didn't. But I said, you know what? I trust the Lord. It's too big for me. It's too big for any man. And so to every story in the scriptures has been too big for any man. Everything God loves to do is too big for you and too big for me. You who are successful Christians, you know it to be true. You look at your life and your marriage and your business and your, all the things, it's just the Lord. It was the Lord. It's the Lord's faithfulness. Guess what though? He's going to test that every single day. There's going to be wins. There's going to be losses. W's and L's. Don't we grade ourselves on wins and losses? Let's stop doing that. Yesterday I was in a a couple wrestling tournaments. I was in Dayton for a little bit at one tournament with my son. And then I jammed over to Newburgh for another tournament to coach some of the kids from our church there. And I was talking to Tyler Smith. Tyler has some girls that are really good wrestlers. They're all young kids. And we were talking about wins and losses, W's and L's, and how at that age, it doesn't really matter. Not really, not till you get to high school. But we put emphasis on wins and losses, W's and L's. And I decided in that moment, let's not call them wins and losses. Let's call it wisdom and lessons. When we go through things that didn't go our way, because all of our kids got beat down yesterday. Man, it was crazy, those tournaments. There were some big tournaments we attended. And you could say, Howard, did you win or lot? Well, you know what? We got some wisdom. We learned a lesson. And in God's economy, he wants us to settle into that place. Maybe it's just a season of wisdom and lessons. And it feels like losses. Man, it feels like I'm not really moving forward. But in the things of God, he's not done until he's done and nothing will stop him. She uses excuses like, I'm too old and I have no hope. And all of these things are against me is her conclusion. It's where she's at in her life. We've all been there before and she's struggling through this. Look at verse 13. She continues to get creative. Would you wait for them, that is my sons, until they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Interesting phrase. Leave that up there, Dave, would you? Last sentence. That the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. In other words, Naomi is processing the loss of her husband, the loss of her sons, her now plight in life, 
God's against me. Now I ask you this question, was it God who did all these things against her? Maybe, it could have been. She was in direct sin and rebellion. We don't know how her sons and how her, her husband died. She could process it that way. We often do, God's against me. Maybe not though. Maybe it was the Lord testing her and causing her name, Naomi, which means pleasantness, to be forged in the fires of difficulty. Easy to be pleasant when the sun's shining, isn't it? I love good days. Raise your hand if you love good days. How about more good days? Yeah, more good days. What about when it's not a good day? And on days like that, the Lord wants to do a deeper work in us. Here's the cool thing. The narrator, I don't even know who wrote the book of Ruth, but the narrator knows chapters two, three, and four are coming. She's saying the hand of the Lord's against me. That's her conclusion. This is so dumb. This is so dumb. And she may have known she deserved a little bit of it. You know, this is dumb. She didn't know that chapter two, three, and four were coming, that God was going to not have his hand against her. Listen, listen, listen. Whoa, he was going to have his hand for her in ways that would blow her mind, change her life forever. And maybe you're like her. Maybe you're right there at the beginning of your journey. feels like everything's against me. I just don't know how this is ever going to work out. And the Lord sees a week from now or a month or next year, he says, dude, I have all of it figured out. It's going to blow your mind. Just DTNRT and TTP and FT go get you. It's not that hard. One time I was getting a sandwich at Big Town Hero in Ashland, Oregon, and, and I began to share my faith with the guy making my sandwich, and, and he said, oh, yeah, I hate God. I was like, whoa, tell me how you really feel, you know. He said, I hate the Bible, too, and, and he's making my sandwich. I said, well, don't spit in my food, bro. We're cool, you know. And I said, why do you hate God in the Bible? And he looked at me seriously. He said, because of what God did to Job. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was pretty harsh, wasn't it? Like Job got tested in that way and lost everything. And I asked him, I said, what do you think about the last chapter of Job, though? He's making my turkey bacon avocado TBA sandwich there. And he said, I don't know. I never got to the end of the book. And that's what I said. I said, what? I said, bro, you didn't read the end? Oh, my gosh. Job gets restored everything to him tenfold of what he had previously and he tested, or he passed the test, and the test passed, and everything was restored. And sometimes in our lives, we're right in the middle. We just shut the book. I don't want to finish this chapter. Have you been watching a, a movie before, and you don't like a certain scene? You're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. I'm turning it off. I'm turning it off. Most of us don't. We power through to the end, and if it's a good movie, there's some resolve at the end. Oh, that's how it ends. That's what's going on. And we realize that so too in your life and in my life. Let's not make conclusions so quickly. She can't see beyond any of this. She's hopeless. She's bitter. He, and she didn't know what was coming next. And she's even trying to figure it out. Now, everyone's geared a little bit differently in their, their optimism or pessimism. How many guys would say you're naturally an optimist? Raise your hand if you're an optimist. Okay, two of you. Good job, good job. How many guys are, how many guys are pessimists? Lincoln County, where, we, where are you at? I'm strong. Okay, you're on the coast. We were at a staff meeting this Tuesday. We, had a, we call it Super Tuesday, first uh, Tuesday of the year. And we had a six-hour staff meeting. It was crazy. And we didn't even get through all the stuff. We got more stuff to do. It was so fun. But in that staff meeting, it was funny. I was talking about certain things and this and that and going over our policies and job descriptions and all the things that we do and holding each other accountable. And somebody in the staff meeting labeled me. They said, well, Luke, you're a serial optimist. And I stopped. I said, I like that. I confessed, and that Tuesday I said, I don't feel like it today, but I do want to be that guy. I want to be a serial optimist, somebody who's always optimistic, not because of 
anything I can do. Trust me. But because of all the things that God has committed to do, we're allowed to be. We're even mandated to be serial optimist. Letting our light shine before men that they see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. You gotta, even if you don't feel it, I don't often feel it. I love feeling it, but I don't always feel it. The Lord says, well, your feelers are broken sometimes. Most of the times your feelers are broken. That's why we live by God's word and not just by bread alone. Amen. God's word tells us where well, we're learning this from Naomi's life. She's busted. She's bummed out. She doesn't believe it. Look what happens now. Orpha and Ruth have to make some decisions. Naomi, their mom, mother-in-law is going home. She's encouraging them to go back because it's not going to be good for them. Look at verse 14. It says, then they lifted up their voices and they wept again and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. What this means is, is Orpah takes the hint and says, I guess I'll go back to Moab. I guess I won't go with you, Naomi. There's no hope for me there. It's not going to work out. And so she weeps with emotion, kisses her mother-in-law and pieces out. Meanwhile, Ruth, listen, the same emotions, the same convictions, the same connection. I'm not going anywhere. She clings to her. I say that to say this. Orpah, we never see in the scriptures again. There's no book of Orpah. Okay. All we have is Oprah Winfrey. That's it. And it's not the same. No Orpah. As a matter of fact, some, I, I read this last night. I don't know if it's true. You can do the research yourself. Some believe that Orpah went back to Moab and had some kids. And of that lineage of kids, that flock of kids that she had just a couple of generations later, one of them went by the name of Goliath and his brothers. And many believe there's a Babylonian Talmud and some other Jewish writings that say that Orpah went on to have some other pagan sons that would be a thorn in the flesh of the children of Israel. I don't know if that's true or not. But did you know that Ruth would stick and stay and make it pay? And Ruth would also have some kids. Her grandson would be David and her great-great, who would also kill Goliath, and her great-great-great-grandson would be Jesus Christ. I say that to say this. Orpha and Ruth both had the same emotion and a totally different action step. We love you, Naomi. You're the best. We're so sorry this is happening. But I guess I'll go back to Moab and make some giants, giant problems, that is. But Ruth said, you know what? I don't know what the future holds. I'm going to stay with you and trust the process. Ruth didn't know that this decision would lead to her roots growing down, her fruits going out, and God's favor being poured out on her life. She didn't know that. Can I tell you right now, Christian, you can have an emotional response to Jesus Christ, to God, to the Word. We all do. This is very scary to even say. You can have an emotional response. I want to go all in. I love you. I'm here for you. But it's only until you take a couple steps and do something that it's actually activated. It's easy to be a hearer of the word. Even agree. Most of you would hear the first, first service of the year. You guys are here. You agree with all this stuff. I agree too. And sometimes the Lord looks at me and says, what are you going to do about it? What's the next step? And in that next step of obedience, that next step of discipline, that next step of action, oftentimes is what leads to then the fruit and the maturity that God wants to do in our lives. It's action steps. Well, Naomi looks at Ruth now. She tries to shake her. Look at verse 15. And Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Man, Naomi's so busted. She's like, Ruth, I appreciate your sentiments. That's okay. Why don't you go ahead and catch up with Orpah and go home? Notice what Naomi's saying here. It's kind of sad. She's saying to her daughter-in-law, why don't you just go back to Moab and keep worshiping false gods and go to hell when you die? Well, that's essentially what she's saying. 
See, Orpah and Ruth aren't believers yet for some reason. We're going to see Ruth give her life to the Lord in the next couple of verses. We're going to see her make this commitment. There was a plurality and a weirdness of worship back then. But I just want to, one more time, throw Naomi a little further under the bus. Because of her disappointment, because of her rebellion, because of her loss, and because of her bitterness. Now listen, hurt people oftentimes hurt people. Have you seen this? And, and, and your hurt could be caused by somebody else or it could be caused by you. Either way, you're hurt. You're just hurt. And when you're hurt, you have to be real careful because you're going to oftentimes lead people and influence people into doing silly things. And in that bitterness and unhealthiness of soul, we find our vision and our counsel oftentimes being warped and hearing poor Naomi saying, you know what would be better for you, Ruth? Just go worship fake gods. You'll be fine. What? And I just have to take inventory myself. You know what I want to do? I want to give people good counsel. I want to hold people accountable. I want to encourage people. I hope you do too. But in order to give good counsel and hold people accountable and to, to encourage people, in order to do that, you have to have a firm foundation in what's true and what's not true. You gotta be rooted and grounded. You can't be playing around. You can't be walking in bitterness and smallness and brokenness or sinfulness like Naomi's doing here. And it's just a simple word for each and every one of us. How, how's your soul? Because I don't wanna counsel somebody in the wrong way. Here, Naomi freely just says, you know what's probably best? Go ahead, just throw your life away. It'll be fine. What? Well, by God's grace, listen, Ruth had seen now Naomi. We're going to put Naomi in some good light now. Ruth had seen Naomi get up out of Moab. She hears there's bread back in Bethlehem, and she begins this long, painful process of repentance. Listen, and Naomi, in these steps of obedience, is now impacting Ruth and Orpah differently. Orpah bails, but Ruth sees it, and Ruth says, you know what? I've been with you for a while, maybe a few years. And I've not given my life to the Lord, but because of your seriousness and your repentance, you're going back. I'm now I'm going to give my life to the Lord. Matter of fact, let me so, show you Ruth's commitment. Look at verse 16. But Ruth said, I've got that circle. Ruth is a Moabitess pagan. How many of you guys have friends in your family, in your circle right now that are pagans, that are on the outside looking in, and they've known you for a while? And all of a sudden, God begins to move in your life and you begin to be softened by the Lord and redeemed and revived. And Ruth's response is this, entreat me, verse 16, not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord Who's Lord? Her Lord. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Verse 18, and when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her or trying to convince her otherwise. Stop right there, rise up here. This is such a powerful statement. Ruth is impacted so much. She loves Naomi. She loves Orpah. She loved Malon and Chilion and Elimelech. They were a beautiful family. But it was only in these verses here. Or Naomi and her micro-repentance, I'll give her that much. She's going back. She's returning. All of a sudden, Ruth said, whoa, really? You're going to go back? I've always wondered what it's like in Bethlehem. I've heard about your God. I've heard about your faith. I've heard about your ways. You're going back? Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. I, I hope there's people in your life right now that you want saved. People at your school. People you're in love with. Friends and family, you want them, oh man, I desperately want this person saved. Do you guys have a handful of people in your life that oh, be so cool? I'm going to tell you what, it is not your acceptance of all, your looseness, 
your compromise, your coolness, your funness. It is not any of those things that are going to lead the people on the outside to a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. It's going to be your conviction of heart. It's going to be your seriousness of repentance. It's going to be your allegiance and your dedication and commitment to Jesus. When you go all in at the sacrifice and at the loss of your Moabite ways, that's going to soften people's hearts and encourage them, like Ruth, to say, whoa, dude, you look pretty serious right now. Entreat me not to leave you again. I'm going with you. Maybe you've experienced this. A dad or a grandpa, when you step up into the things of God and begin to take it seriously, and it's a move of the Spirit, you can't fake it. You can't fake it. You can't manifest it yourself. The Holy Spirit has to get you. How did he get Naomi? Absolute brokenness. Absolute devastation. I remember when I got arrested in 1998, January 6th, and I went back to the dorms and was sulking with my buddies. And they began to say, oh, poor Luke got arrested for fake IDs and all the rest. I knew better, though. This was God's way of rescuing me from myself. I had prayed prayers. Lord, help me stop being this man. And the Ashland Police Department were sent my way. And it was the catalyst in my life to take big boy steps away from drugs and alcohol and chaos. And when I began to do that, guys that already knew who I was and I knew who they were, they began to also follow suit and say, really? You're just going to quit dealing drugs today? Yep, today. Never again, and I never did again. I quit that day. And I repent. And I, and I took... Yeah, shouldn't clap. <laughs> Pretty messed up guy still. Baby steps. And I remember I took out... I had multiple fake IDs because I'm not a, you know, quitter. Anyways, I had... you know. And, but I was that day and I began to burn them. I remember I began to burn my fake IDs that day. They were worth a lot of money in college, but I was like, no, I'm going all in. And two other kids ran back to their dorm rooms as well. Not even close friends of mine. And they brought theirs. They said, we don't want to do this anymore either. We want to go all in. We want to stop being these men, being these people. Dear Naomi, a micro repentance. Did you know you have people right now that are just waiting for you to say, hey, you want to pray? And everyone's going to pray. Hey, do you want to start a family Bible study? Hey, do you want to start up four is more group? Hey, do you want to pray for each other? Should we text each other once per day and just say we're praying for each other? Do you want to get serious about our faith? And the men and women around you will say, yes, I do want to do that. I do want to go deeper and be more serious and be more accountable. See, we all have levels of influence, levels of ability to take people further in the Lord. Naomi's doing this. My son asked me if we're going to finish the chapter and I'm going to finish the chapter. Verse 19, and now the two of them, they went and they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Now we don't have the tone. Can you imagine the walk back to Bethlehem? This is Naomi going home for the first time in 10 years. He didn't travel around back then. This was war times. This is bad news. And this is Ruth's first time to Bethlehem. And she's probably asking her mother, what's it like? What's it like in the city? What's it like there with the temple and the tabernacle? How the customs and, man, your God's my God. You better bring me up to speed. What's going on? How do we do this? And as they walk in, the Bible says that all of Bethlehem, Bethlehem's a small little, this is, by the way, the same Bethlehem that Jesus would, would be born in, just in case you're wondering, it's the same one. And all the towns in excitement about Naomi, but when they see her, they begin to ask, is this Naomi? Is this her? Because obviously she looked different after 10 years. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's something else. I'm not sure. <laughs> Ten years later, 
But then she said to them, verse 20, do not call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. Stop right there, eyes up here. Whoa. You ever talk to somebody like, tell me how you really feel? Didn't know you were having a day, you know. And I'm glad for her honesty. She's bitter. I went out full, and the hand of the Almighty is against me. Ever felt this way before? Maybe a marriage failed. Maybe you buried a child. Maybe something devastating happened to you. You're like, hmm, thought I had things going for me. Now I don't. And you have a question to answer and a decision to make. And they always says, don't call me pleasant anymore. I'm not pleasant. I'm not in a pleasant mood. Call me bitter. I believe her theology is not completely accurate here. The hand of God is against me. God's hand will never be against you, okay? He's promised to us that in this life we would suffer. It's going to be difficult. He's also said in the life of difficult suffering, be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. Life will hit you right between the eyes over and over again. You will lose that which you have held precious. It will not go the way that you had anticipated. It will be tough. But the hand of the Lord is what? For you, not against you. There's no thing that is fashioned that shall come against you and prosper. There will be costs. There will be days. And yet you and I have a decision to stand in the faith of God and say, I believe that God is for me, not against me. She made a mistake here. And she changed her name in this moment. She didn't realize what was happening because she's still stuck. She can't see it. Notice what she said, though. She confessed, I went out full and came back empty. I don't know what she means by that, because we all know that when she left, there was a famine in the land. And yet she had a husband. She had sons. She was full. Did you know what? Let me speak to the Christians real quick. Did you know that sometimes in our fullness, we can take it for granted? We can forget how good we actually have it. And we can actually not see it the way it actually is. And then we can make silly, compromising decisions. Don't do this. Matter of fact, you kids who are growing up in the, in the faith, you know Jesus, you know Christianity, your PKs, pastors, kids, and all the rest. You can take it for granted. And what we find ourselves is being tempted to go to Moab for a second. And I'm not talking Utah. You can go visit Moab there. But don't, don't go to the pagan Moab areas of our lives. This is what happens to each other. And then what happens is, is you leave the comfort of knowing God and you are full and you become empty. I'm going to have Pastor Toby come up. He's going to lead us in a worship song. I want you guys to really focus on verse 22 with me, though. It says, saying, so Naomi returned, and Ruth, the Moabite, is her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and now they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. Stop right there, eyes up here. The barley harvest. This is what she had heard, that there had been rain in Bethlehem. There had been growth. There's now going to be provision. Did you know that the time of the barley harvest would have been synonymous, listen, and right along the lines of the celebration of the Passover feast? This would have been the time of remembrance where they said, remember when Jesus, remember when God, remember when we were delivered from Egypt? Remember when the Lord did a deep work in us? And here's what I want us to do at South Beach Church on the very first Sunday of the year. is to let the Lord search our hearts. So you're his sheep. He knows you. He knows right where you're at. I, I don't. I know where I'm at. I know where I've drifted. I know where I've gone back, where I've compromised. I know. And I know where the Lord says, Luke, 
The barley harvest is happening. There's provision for you. There's redemption. It's the Passover celebration. All eyes on Jesus. You have nothing to lose this morning except for your shame, your guilt. You have nothing to lose this morning except for your rebellion and your compromise and the chains of darkness and the, the hooks of the devil. You have nothing to lose this morning except the weakness of your own flesh and the pain of your own sin. You have nothing to lose this morning at all except all of this distance and this bitterness and all of these things that are against you. It's the only, only thing you have to lose this morning. And you have everything to gain in Jesus. And so he says to the prodigals, come home, the harvest is ready. And he says to the older brothers, the prodigal brother who was negative and critical and actually well put together, but he was away. Which, which one are you? Why, why don't you pick one this morning? Maybe you're a hybrid. Maybe you're a blend. There's things in your life that are out of order, compromises set in. But there's also just a shallowness. There's a distance. This is normal. This happens to every one of us. There's no shame. We want to leave all that shame here this morning in Jesus' name. And we need the work of the Holy Spirit to renew us, to right us as we come back to him. Would you all stand with me as we sing this song? If you're here this morning, I just want to give you the opportunity right now. And you need to return to him. Come back to him. Two things I want you to do. One of two, you pick. One is right now, just raise up your hands and start worshiping the Lord. I want to come back to you, Lord. I want to come back to you. I want to return, Lord. The hand of affliction has been against me, but Lord, I need that hand of sweetness for me. I need that harvest hand towards me in Jesus. Just raise up your hands, start worshiping. This is between you and him. You gotta be soft between you and the Lord. That's the only thing you need. You need to be soft between him. Humble yourself on the side of the Lord. Maybe you need just a little bit more than your hands up. If you need to come down to the altar right now, it just surrenders. Say, yeah, Lord, I want to go all in. I want the barley harvest. I want all that you have for me in 2024. Would you just come down the aisles right now? Don't be prideful. Don't resist it. If you sense the Holy Spirit right now saying, I want you back. I want you closer to me. I want you to go all in. I don't want you to let any of these worldly things, any bitterness, any temptation, any smallness, any compromise, nothing holding you back. But right now, I want you to come to me. And I mean right now, come out of the aisles to come down. I'm gonna step over by the screen and pray for people during this song. But now is the time to go all in for the Lord in 2024. Lord, and I just raise up my hands to in Jesus' name. Pastor Luke just making a confession. Lord, I wanna to return to you in all and every way, Lord, I've gotten hardened. Well, Lord, I've become exhausted. Where I've become distracted, I repent in Jesus' name. Would you make us, Lord, just men and women who are about your business. Take the failures of 2023. Take all the mistakes and all the compromises, all the sadness, Lord, all the flesh, all the silliness, and let them be wisdom and lessons. Let them make us into the men and women you want us to be. We trust you, Jesus. Anoint us now as we sing this last song, Lord, at this service to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Let's worship together.